Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Miles Beamish. Miles has over 18 years' experience in the equipment rental industry, providing equipment finance solutions as a senior finance broker for the Finlease Group. Miles, to kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the hiring rental industry? It probably goes back to the early 2000s uh, you know, for, for myself within our group. Picked up my first, I guess, major client that was in the in the rental game. Uh, and then, you know, being a general finance broker, you know, that was my, my first insight uh, at a group level. We, we've been involved in the industry probably for you know, the best part of 20 years. So for myself, it goes back to, yeah, to 03 and been effectively a member you know, since 2010. Okay. And so how did you get into the equipment finance industry? Uh, I came out of the banking system. So my, my roles prior to that in the banks were uh, along the lines of, you know, BDM slash relationship managers, certainly stayed away from the, the credit type roles where you're in an office without any windows. That's not me. So look, yeah, uh, almost joined the group uh, working with one of the, at the time, uh, senior, senior guys within, within the Finlease group. Uh, who has a very, very uh, strong presence in the crane uh, industry, um, mainly the mobile crane. So, uh, again, that's probably where I got the the grounding uh, for the uh, for the rental side of um, the industry. And then, yeah, pretty much been in a in a I guess a, a broker uh, role since I'll say 2005. Yeah, so best part of 15 years. Um, yeah, small little team working within our, our broader team. And yeah, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my clients and I'm responsible for uh, making sure uh, the results uh, are what they should be. So, yeah. Very nice. Well, look, what I want to do is I want to take a step back and I want you to explain exactly what a finance broker is and what you provide to the hiring rental industry. Yeah, look, we're here to sort of, I guess, uh, act on uh, the best interests of, of, of the clients that are seeking to borrow money. Uh, we represent them. It's, you know, you could probably... Parlay it to a, to a home loan broker. You know, we're not a financier. Uh, we don't purport to be a financier, but we're there to assist the clients uh, to, to, I guess, you know, to get an alternative approval or an arrangement to, to their bank or current provider. Um, and it's not just about rate. There's structures, there's balloons, there's limits. You know, a lot of clients we get introduced to, you know, their bank might see them as a good customer, but for whatever reason, they've, they've tapped out. So they might have a growing fleet um, of scissors and for whatever reason, the bank says, look, we've, we've topped out. Um, doesn't mean they're not worthy and, and, and warrant more lending, but their own bank has uh, sort of got full and that's where we assist. And, you know, we've got multiple options in the market. So we'll go and source them alternate uh, lines of credit or, or, or as needed. And then so for those of the people in the hiring rental industry that haven't dealt with a broker before, can, can you talk about the process to actually obtain finance through Finlease? The process is reasonably straightforward. Again, we, we try and make it straightforward. Um, you, you, like you mentioned, there's, there's, I guess, different tiers of clients. There's new clients that are just set up. There's ones that have been around for a few years and there's your established ones. So for each of those, there are different levels of information or different um, uh, lenders that will consider them. So even for startups, you know, um, we do get referred some people that effectively, you know, have worked for a rental company and now want to go out on their own. Um, so we'll talk them through it, just explain that, you know, what, what may or may not be required in terms of, you know, equity towards their purchases. Um, but look, there's, there's over 30 lenders, you know, that are out there. Um, we all know the big four. We probably know, you know, your Bendigo banks and a few of the other ones that sent under that Macquarie. But like I said, there's at least another 25 lenders out there that we have access to that uh, for, for different requirements um, can also fund startups. 
So it may be someone wants to buy 10 scissors, but you know, the finance might be they've got to put a large deposit in or they might want to shorten the term. And so there's different variables there that we can discuss with the lender. Um, but once, look, in this industry, probably a really good thing is the, the nature of the equipment. So your scissors, your boom lifts, anything that um, is deemed an EWP um, is, is deemed a primary asset for the lenders and has been for, for many years. So in terms of accessing um, lines of credit or what we call low dot facilities, um, this is definitely a prime industry for that. Um, if someone was involved, I don't know, with um, engineering equipment, more specialised equipment, generally they fall outside the scope of what we call you know, easy easy credit. Um, they, they involve a lot more financial analysis. So we do come across definitely clients uh, in, in the rental industry that, yeah, if they've been going for a couple of years, like I said before, their bank might just tap out and say, look, you know, we're, we're full, we don't want to do any more, but we might be able to spread their next 12 months requirements over another two, three lenders uh, and that ensures, A, they can grow when they need to grow. Uh, and it also gives them the confidence that, yeah, when they approach us, that we've already got some uh, pre-approved limits that they can access. And it doesn't affect their relationship with their bank at all. Yeah, I think that's also quite a good and important point that it doesn't affect the relationship with their bank. But I think also with so many businesses growing and then a lot of the recent changes in uh, the way that people can acquire finance through the banking system, it's important to, to know that there's other options out there because it, it, not everyone gets approved and they're, they're quite strict in what they're lending at the moment. And I think to that, Mark, you make a comment there is that as much as the banks will spend millions of dollars on ads, you know, sort of saying that it's all, you know, it's cash flow lending and all these sorts of things, but the, 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 the vast majority of the banking system is still very conservative. And if someone has their mortgage, their home with their bank, the bank will look at you know how much is owing and work out you know 80%. So they pretty much will still say, even if they borrow for equipment, they're seeing what how are they covered by bricks and mortar security. In the asset finance space that we play in, 99% of the deals that we do for our clients in any industry, so including rental and, and the like, it is secured against the equipment only. So it doesn't impinge on the banking limits. So if a client is good for a half a million dollar limit based on how, how they're going or how long they've been around it's 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 available it's not it's not going to be dependent on you know if they own property or how much equity they have so yeah the, the upside is 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 massive for clients if they spread that risk rather than just relying on their bank the whole time and so talk to me about how involved you are with the trade associations such as the hiring rental association or the american rental association or even high ends in new zealand uh, and and sort of what do you get out of those those memberships for myself, I became a member of the HRIA uh, 2010. Well, we're Australian-based, so haven't had any direct association with the, with the other associations mentioned. Well, we're, we're, we're members in multiple states just because of our national network as well. Uh, I guess I take lead you know, within our group on the, on the higher side. Um, look, exhibiting, you know, we've probably been exhibiting now for the last 10 conferences you know, for the higher rental, uh, proudly doing it. Uh, we've sort of been sponsors at a certain level for a lot of those. Um, you probably recall for anyone that goes past our stand or opens up their uh, satchel, there's a pair of Finlay socks in there. So um, that's certainly been something that's a little bit different that, um, you know, I think the last order of we did was for 10,000 pairs. So um, we do get a lot of clients asking for them. Um, that's just our thing. So, um, yeah, we're very involved there. I have been fortunate enough to, to speak at a couple of conferences. It's usually obviously industry related. And you mentioned in terms of... Um, yeah, it's sort of the two-way side of it. You know, we do provide editorial for newsletters, um, especially at the moment with COVID. You know, we've had a few articles that the association's um, taken on board and published. So we are trying to give back to the to the members that way. 
Um, also, the whole PPSR issue when that was you know in its in its um, early days, and the hire industry obviously being caught in in the uh, legislation the way it was originally written. I was certainly um, involved as I guess a conduit you know between some of the some of those working on it at the association level and the, and the financiers just to to um, to relay information to and fro. So yeah, very much it's not about just taking the opportunities presented. Yeah, we do also see that you know because we can, we, we want to give back, I guess, knowledge and um, informal advice yeah, as often as we can as well. Yeah, it's great that you also give back and share your experiences and insights into certain areas. Now, how has the industry changed in the way that people are also engaging with you or how have you seen the industry change? You mentioned PPSR, which is the Personal Property Securities Register, but what have you seen in changes in the last 10 years? Yeah, look, you know, on the legislative side, PPSR was probably the big, the big, you know, um, uh, factor coming through the industry. I guess it's always changing, uh, like like many industries are. You've certainly got the, 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 I'd say there's a lot more, especially with infrastructure jobs, you know, there's that competitive nature, which again is common to a lot of industries, you know, the tightening of margins. Um, Just got to be careful as an industry not to sort of, chase each job you know to the bottom because then that just puts pressure on every other part of the, the rental business that if they you know if their top line their revenue line isn't sufficient it, it wouldn't matter if the finance was one percent you know it's you've got to be careful it's a, it really is a, is a mix uh, i'd say too we're probably still um seeing a lot lot more uh of the clients uh, that, that we're, we're doing the work for at the moment um taking shorter terms on the on the finance um, which probably says to me that, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we probably saw more clients that were taking longer terms. So in other words, their payments were lower, but then, you know, we've had a few shocks come through the, you know, the, the GFC, et cetera. But whenever, whenever there's that shock to the system, obviously we're all going through COVID as well. Um, if you've got, a, if you've got a, your, your, your assets sitting in the backyard, not out on hire and they're under heavy debt, it just leads to a lot of pressure. You know, whereas, you know, if we've got the rental businesses that are, you know, I've been able to take shorter shorter term. So they're, I guess they're out, they're fully paid off their equipment, maybe after three years. Now, if it does have to sit out in the backyard for three months, six months, and there's nothing owing on it, the financial pressure is a lot less. So um, there is no right or wrong. We're always asked by new clients, you know, what should I do? And it's eat well, sleep well. You know, it depends on what phase of the business. If they're going through high growth, then they may want to, you know, long lengthen the term so that just even the cash flow out. But if they're in a pretty solid position, these are clients that may have traditionally paid cash, you know, for their equipment. And they're just saying, look, this one's a little bit more than I, I thought. You know, we might suggest to them, well, put, put 50% cash deposit, but just finance the other half. So, again, you, you, you're not putting yourself in a world of pain. So, um, certainly the structures yeah, have changed a little bit. I, I think as, a, as an industry, when I mentioned earlier about being a preferred type of asset that the lenders, you know, like to lend against, that's definitely in the last three or four years become more and more prevalent. So, you know, most of the banks and financiers will have a, I guess, a, an a, call it an ABC of assets that they like to lend to. Cars, trucks, anything that I guess they know is what it's going to be worth if something goes wrong at an auction. Um, and slowly but surely, yeah, a lot of the um, your EWPs have moved in to nearly, I, I couldn't tell you one of the largest 10 lenders that would not see the bulk of the equipment that we finance in this, in this industry as being um, a, not a primary asset. So anyone in this industry, if they're finding it hard to source finance, it generally won't be because of what they're financing. It'll just be to do with other factors. 
And probably these two quickly too, just because of COVID, you know, we had a bit of a maybe a, a shortage of, of supply of new new equipment, you know, more recent months. Um, but again, being this type of equipment, the lenders don't have an issue if there's a very active secondary market out there. So, you know, if it's a, a used five, six, seven, eight year old EWP, um, there's no there's no limit to, to lenders that we can still access. So um, certainly want to you know make it clear there to to the clients out there. Yeah, new new is new is is good, but there's no issue with use. There's no stigma attached to use with the financiers in this industry. And so, have you seen changes in the way that these hire and rental businesses are interacting with Finlease and trying to acquire finance? Uh, uh, yeah, that's that is a very um, interesting question with lots of layers. Um, uh, I think for us, and so myself, who's been been a broker for a long time, one thing that I know I've got from my clients is that you know, we are about the relationship, not just the transaction. So like 75% of our client database would be repeat clients. So you know, for us, it's you know, building those uh, relationships. Um, you know, if you want a better word, you know, we're like an old school bank manager. You know, we, don't, we don't move roles up to two or three years. You know, we're in this for the long term. So once we know that client's story, um, you know, we don't have to be retold it. Um, it's just a matter of just you know, adding to it as and when needed. Um, when COVID started, um, yeah, we were just inundated with with distressed clients that were asking for for payment relief. You know, when it was available within that first week, and it was just uh, uh, these aren't the numbers, but if you know, in the previous year, I might have had two clients you know in distress, and I think I had twenty seven phone calls before nine a.m. on that first day. And that was just me. So from that point, it was great that their first call was to me as opposed to, I guess, to their bank. And, you know, we, we've you know, assisted as many clients as are needed to, to get, you know, their, their, their payments rearranged. Um, we're probably coming towards the, the end of that. But now we're also on behalf of our clients and we are as a, as a, as a company or as a group um, also pushing back hard to the banks directly at the moment so well now about for going forward how are those clients going to be able to access finance those that maybe were conservative through through COVID, but not necessarily you know going backwards because uh, there is a bit of a stain at the moment on from the banks any clients that you know sort of took deferred payments um it is harder for them to access you know pretty competitive pricing so we we're, we're pushing back at the moment and again so for us it's always been yes a new client write that first transaction but we're there for the life of the loan so this is for us, this is life of the loan stuff. This is helping clients that we might have settled a transaction for two years ago. But right now they're asking us to give them assistance. Then that's what we're, you know, we're there to do that, to give them that assistance for the life of the loan. Uh, we're not just selling and then ignoring them and going on to the next one. Well, look, it's great to hear that you're supporting your customers during tough times as well, because that's really what people are looking for in terms of a partnership with their suppliers. And look, And for a lot of those people too, it's, it's not just finance, it's their lives. It's their livelihoods. You know, I'm unrelated industries, but, you know, do work with um, independent cinemas. So when the cinemas were shut, it didn't matter how good their business model was. If they were shut and they could have no patrons coming to watch their movies, um, you know, there's, and they're still shut. So, you know, every, every industry has been affected in different ways. Um, but yeah, I guess it's for us to just you know, hear, hear the story, listen, um, and then do best we can to just you know, manage manage each one of those with with the lenders that they've got relationships with. But I guess coming back to what we originally said, though, yeah, in terms of what we do, that was probably interesting to hear that yeah, a we're getting the first contact was from the clients to us, 
And then probably over the next couple of weeks, the frustration level from the clients that had a direct banking relationship, as well as using us as their broker for, for you know, other equipment, was their frustration at not getting, being able to get in touch with their banker or their banker saying it'll be six weeks before they'd get an answer. So from, from us as a broker, that I guess just reinforced that you know, for our clients, yeah, we are to rep, we're there representing them as a, as a pseudo bank manager anyway, but just with a, every lender you can think of with their hat on. Yeah, yeah, the, the trusted advisor for, for your clients basically, which is yeah, what everyone's looking for. So to switch gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit more about you. Who, who do you think was a mentor for you or maybe played a big influence in helping you become the person you are today? As a, as a younger person, so I probably shouldn't mention names because I just haven't spoken to this person for, for many years. But look, go, going, going through school, um, a good, good friend of mine at the time, his, his dad was um, uh, very, very high up within a transport group that you know, everyone would probably know of, not the owner of it, but certainly, you know, so if you looked at it from a corporate point of view, a very uh, successful person, um, probably known him from when I was about 14 through to 2021. But I guess, uh, look, he ended up being a, a referee for me when I finished school, so I was quite, quite close. Um, but for all for all of that on the outside, um, very smart businessman, et cetera, but you know, to go to his place, it would just be um, shorts, T-shirt, very casual, you know, um, just would talk about anything. Um, there was no, no sense of arrogance or aloofness about him. He could have, but he didn't. And I guess for me, that was... Um, very early on about, you know, that doesn't matter what you do, it's, it's, you can still be you. You don't have to be um, something that people expect you to be. So, um, yeah, he had a big influence on me. I, I, you know, like I said, I haven't seen him for, for, for a while, but if I did, um, you know, I just held him up as a, wow, you know, this guy's got, got everything, but, um, you know, he, he's as down to earth as the, as the next dad, as the next person. And um, so for me, um, that's, that, that's probably always stuck with me. And then from a, Professional point of view, look, you know, I probably couldn't go past, you know, Mark O'Donoghue started our group, you know, the 32 years ago, 30 odd years ago. Um, you know, I've had that journey now for 18 years. You know, we had a bit of a joke um, probably prior to joining, you know, Finlay's. I had, you know, had a few roles with the banks. That was probably every couple of years uh, moving from one to another. And I think there was a headhunter along the way that was probably getting a nice fee every two years with me moving around. Um, Mark knew that when they approached me to see if I wanted to join the group. And I think after two years, it sent me an email on the lines of, um, I'm glad you're still here. So, um, so look, yeah, that's, that was two years and it's been 18. You know, I certainly you know, love what we do. But look, yeah, Mark, is, again, as a, as a business person, um, as, a, as a leader, um, yeah, certainly got a lot, lot of respect for, for, for Mark at that level. And then maybe just from a client point of view, um, uh, look, yeah, uh, there's, I hope they don't mind, but yeah, Hubtex, you know, Bill Parry, um, you know, until recently, he's the, the, the founder of, of a very successful rental business, you know, best part of 25 years. Yeah, and sort of been on the, the journey uh, with, with Bill's business uh, yeah, since the early 2000s and seen that business you know, grow to what it's become today. Um, and, but as a client, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a hell of a journey. Certainly, you know, been to, to many occasions with Bill. Um, but Bill probably said something many years ago that's just always stuck and resonated with me. We, we caught up once and I can't remember what the context was, but um, he was saying that um, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't change around his suppliers very often. He said, it's just not worth it. You know, he said, if I've got a good supplier, I've got a good relationship, you know, if I order something that's going to be delivered, 
he said, for the couple of cents here or there, it's just having that stability of suppliers, which which makes makes sense. And then I think we'd had a, that might have been after ten years. And he made the comment, as as we do, you know, with you, Miles, you're on the finance. You're you're the supplier of our finance. We leave it to you. You always deliver. Um, and again, it's just another lever that he doesn't have to play around with because it's it works for him. Um, so I'm not sure if that's convoluted, but um, certainly, uh, yeah, Bill's Bill's got you know, good pearls of wisdom. He said he's been a successful business owner in his own right. Um, so that, you know, I can see certain things through his eyes as a client, even though we always try and see things through our client's eyes. Um, it's yeah, I certainly you know, listen to you know, every word that Bill says uh, when we are you know, catching up because yeah, he's got a lot, lot of lot of experience behind him, and especially in the rental industry, you know, he does say things every now and again that I think. All right, I can see how that context could work, you know, across a more broader, you know, client base. So, yeah, that's great. Like three very different people, but all played a part in sort of helping you become the person you are today. Which is, yeah, I think that's that's sort of great to to hear and and share share that experiences that you had. So let's go back in time for a little bit. If you could go back and provide yourself some advice. What would you say? Uh, probably go to one of those hair replacement places a little bit earlier. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Um, oh, look, I probably wouldn't change too much, but two things that yeah, it's easier now when you are a bit older to think. Uh, look, yeah, I've got nothing wrong. We all, I think, we're kidding ourselves to think we could have done things differently. Uh, I'd look, I'd say, we don't be afraid to fail. Um, would be one. And yeah, again, for me, it was we'd probably just get out of the comfort zone. Um, no matter how big you think that that zone is already, you know, we all have a comfort zone. So um, mine might've been you know, large relative to others. Um, but yeah, it's that pushing yourself past um, that, that comfort zone, I think would have been you know, something at, at a younger age, possibly. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'd probably say, keep doing what you're doing and, and, and back yourself. And yeah, you only learn some of those things through life experience as well. So, look, I like asking everyone this question, and it's quite a big question. How do you define success, and what do you think was a defining moment for you? Uh, I certainly don't have the um, the memes hanging around the room, so I don't necessarily go along there. There's plenty of those cliches. Um, so I'm probably saying things that have been said in different ways. Uh, look, for me, I don't think it's been any one point in time. Um, it's not like you, you know, plant the flag on the top of the mountain and say that that's success. Um, I think, like you said, being older and wiser now, it's it's just yeah, continuous improvement. Uh, look, I'm a com- pretty competitive person naturally, so for me, it'd be hit the top of the mountain, take a deep breath, and then go back down and say, is there a harder way to go back up that mountain? Can I do it quicker? Um, so that's that sort of sense of yeah, there's moments in time. So. Um, look, I don't think many people climb Everest to then, you know, get home and pack the climbing gear away and that's it. You know, that's, there's a moment, but then they're off on the, um, the next journey. But look, from having said that, there are some examples, maybe success. Um, be wrong if I didn't say, look, you know, wife-to-be when she said yes to the, to the ring. Um, you know, that's, that's a personal successful moment. Um, you know, I've got three, three sons, you know teenagers growing up and you know again you can sit back and they they say or, or do things that make you proud so yeah that's that's to me success again from a personal front um work-wise uh, look definitely think 
um, uh, again, I, from prior to, to, to Finlay's when I was with one of the banks, um, and again, the, the, the head of that area I worked in um, said it in a roundabout way, but and it, it's still true to this day for me, you know, get introduced to a new client. Um, the bank said no, they're quite down on themselves. And we just say, look, you know, tell us your story. Look, there's nothing better than um, bringing them back, um, telling them that it's been approved elsewhere. You know, the rush in their voice. So for me, you know, that's no matter how big or small the deal, that's the still the ultimate buzz now. So that buzz you know, is a success. It's a small moment, but it's still success. Um, so if anything, it's probably you know, like, Emotions don't have a price tag. You know, everything I said then had nothing to do with, was it a, an, an amount of money involved? Um, so I think, yeah, success doesn't either. I think it's to the individual. And for me, it's yeah, multiple moments rather than one defining moment. Um, I hope there's a few more to come still. Emotions don't have a price tag, mate. You you have to have stole that from somebody, mate. That, that quote's too good. Oh, I might have, have to run that out on the on a, <laughs> on a wall poster or something. You found your man. There might be one already. I do apologize if someone's already used that one. Oh, that's funny. That's too good. All right, Miles. Well, look, that wraps up our discussion. I really appreciate you coming on the Rental Journal podcast. No, no, appreciate it. We'll speak soon. Catch you, mate. Please share, follow, and like the Rental Journal podcast, and I'll see everyone in the next episode.